Hi everybody, I'm Peter Jacobson, and welcome to Jake's Takes. Well, I'm sure everyone is as excited as I am to see the 2020 PGA Tour season resume this week in Fort Worth, Texas at the Colonial Country Club for the Charles Schwab Challenge. I'm so excited to see what's going to happen when the tour starts again. It's different times, as we all know. We have been living in some crazy, crazy times. The first four events on the PGA Tour, the resumption of the schedule, will be without fans. I don't know how that's going to go. It's going to be pretty odd. If I were playing in the tournament with no fans, wow, I just don't know how that would be. I'm sure the players will figure it out after they play a couple of holes and get into the flow. They're going to be playing pretty much like a pro-am or a practice round, but It's going to be something to keep your eye on. If there's any flare-ups with the coronavirus, I know the PGA Tour has really cracked down following the CDC guidelines. No, No fans, social distancing. Everybody from players and caddies and staff will be tested. Temperature check to make sure that there's no no flare-ups in the tournament. I would hate to see that. So I know everyone's keeping their eyes on that. However, it's interesting, with all the social unrest going on these past two weeks since the tragic murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis, nobody seemed to be worried about the coronavirus or social distancing with the protests, which I fully support peaceful protests. What I don't support is the lawlessness and the uh, rioting, uh, people getting killed, getting injured and being arrested. I don't believe that. I don't go for that. But I do, I do understand the protests, and I, I agree with it. But as I said, nobody was paying much attention to social distancing and the coronavirus. So if we don't see a spike in the coronavirus cases in these hotspot cities where there was a lot of protest, then maybe all that the people in the academic and scientific world are telling us about the spread of the virus, maybe that isn't true. At least I got my fingers crossed that it isn't true that we can get back to normal, get back to work, and open up this country. But golf is probably the greatest sport in terms of leading the way in support of these communities we play in. We saw it with Rory, Dustin Johnson, Matt Wolf, and Ricky Fowler at the TaylorMade Driving Relief match. They raised $5 million, and then Tiger Phil, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning raised $20 million. So a golf the PGA Tour leading the way, putting the right foot forward for the game we love, in the cities we play, and in the country where we live. And I'm excited to see what's going to happen this week. I won back in 1984, and my good friend Mike Cowan, who everybody knows as Fluff, was on the bag. We ended up in a playoff over Payne Stewart, and I prevailed in one hole. So I have a chance this week on the podcast with Mike Cowan, Fluff, to relive that win and talk about what was going through his mind and my mind back then. That was my second win on the PGA Tour, so my career was just starting. And to win a huge tournament like the Colonial, which is what it was called back then, now the Charles Robb Challenge, was huge, a huge feather in my cap. So it's going to be fun to catch up with Fluff. It's a jungle in here, and 
You know, I've been a pretty good ball striker my whole career, and I think one of the strengths of my game has been my driving. I've been pretty good off the tee. I hit a lot of fairways. But I always know that my first drive of the day is going to be a good one in comfort, luxury, and in style because I'm going to and from the golf course in my Lexus GX460. I've been a brand ambassador of Lexus now for over 30 years, and in my opinion, it's the best vehicle on the road today. Now, I may have had a few body parts replaced over the years, but that's just in my 65-year-old body. My Lexus needs nothing but routine maintenance, and that's just the way I like it. So happy now to be joined by my good friend, my former caddy on the PGA Tour, Mike Cowan. Everybody knows him as Fluff, who now caddies for Jim Furyk. And he is heading to this week's Charles Schwab Challenge in Fort Worth to caddy for Jim. And Mike, it's it's uh, we're fun back in the saddle, back in the saddle after the cancellation of the Players' Championship back in March. You've got to be You've got to be ready and pretty excited to get back at it. Yeah. Hi, Jake. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, certainly am pretty excited about it all in all. It's, it's been probably, well, not probably, it's been the longest break I've ever had from working, and uh, I am ready to get back at it. Have you been, you've been playing a lot no, of golf? I wouldn't, a, a fair amount. The, the first part of, of the, of the uh, shutdown, the golf courses in Maryland were closed. And so it was, you could go to Virginia and play, but I didn't do it very often. But I've been playing a couple, three times a week here in the last month or so. Now, so, Mike, yeah. I, you, you <laughs> were, you're a pretty good player. In fact, when you and I started working together back in the late 70s, you were a, a fixture on the leaderboard in that PGA Tour caddy tournament. In fact, you won it a couple of times, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that is that is true. I did win it a couple of times. Uh, it was a great fun event, that's for sure. Yeah, it's funny thinking back to that, Jake. It's, you know, it's when I could play just a little bit. <laughs> I can't play at all anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes two of us, but we're not going to talk about uh, that. Let's let's talk about no, when we could not. play. <laughs> let's talk back uh, back in 1984 when we could play. We showed up in Fort Worth, yeah. Colonial. The Colonial National Invitational is what it was called back then, and and uh, we happened to get around, get into a playoff with Payne Stewart, and we prevailed in the first extra hole in the playoff. I I made a birdie on the 15th hole. What do you remember about that week? A couple of things that happened that week in uh, going back in the Wayback Machine in your mind. Well, the first thing that happened that week was, was days before there was any golf played you know any any tournament golf at least i can't remember now if it was it was sunday night before the event or monday night of the event but hanging out with you and chuck and, and just talking about all kinds of stuff till the wee hours of the morning and at that point 
you dedicated the event to your dad and proceeded to go out and win the thing. <laughs> Chuck Hogan, it you're was talking pretty about, awesome. You're talking about our good friend Chuck Hogan, a golf professional from the state of Oregon, who I actually met when I was at the University of Oregon. And Chuck became a very successful sports psychologist who helped me, helped Raymond Floyd, helped Johnny Miller, Mike Reed, Mark Lye, D.A. Wybring. He was he was so wise in so many aspects of the game of golf. Good player in his own right, but he he was really helpful in putting my head straight. And as you said, we, we sat around till wee hours of the morning talking about how to get it done. And I do remember my dad had gone into the hospital. He had cancer of the tongue, and I wasn't going to play. In fact, I remember I called you and said, I'm not sure I'm going to play. My dad is... He's in the hospital, and, and my dad kept writing on a piece of paper, you go play, I'll watch you on TV, win it for me. So that was enough motivation, and um, I think that's all yeah. I talked about all week. Yeah, it was it was a topic all week long. Uh, it wasn't like you were shying away from the commitment you had made that evening, and, and it, was, it was one of the most awesome things in my caddy memory, um, having witnessed the beginning and the finish of that event, it was it was awesome, Jake. If I remember correctly, we got paired the first two days with Dave Stockton and maybe Bruce Devlin, possibly a couple of former. I don't champions. know, possibly you're going, Peter. You're you're going beyond me right now. <laughs> and I remember, I think I shot. We shot 64 the first day, and that was as close as I've ever come to feeling like how Tiger Woods or Jack Nicklaus feels every week. There was nothing that was going to get in my way. Every shot I hit, whether it turned out properly, how I planned it or not, I just crawled in, hit the next shot, and got it in the hole. And I just felt so supremely confident because I wasn't really yeah. playing for myself. I was, I was playing for my father, and I was playing for Chuck, and it was – I, I almost felt like I was on a higher plane. Well, I can understand that you, that, that, that sensation that you obviously felt because um, the performance that you put on was was pretty flawless. I'd seen it more flawless in a couple of different places along the way, but that that particular week, it was it was your turn. It was our turn, and you know, it, it's one of the, it's one of the best. People ask me all the time to compare victories, and and I honestly say that for personal reasons, the win at Colonial '84 is every bit as good as either major that I won. Um, it's it's pretty interesting, and I mean Mike, that too. It's you look at the history of Colonial Country Club. Now they call it Hogan's Alley. Well, maybe maybe there's a lot of golf courses they call Hogan's Alley because. Hogan's like Jack and like Tiger, he, won, he wins everywhere. But Hogan won the Colonial yeah. five times. He won the Charles Schwab Challenge uh, five times. And you look, what, what's really interesting is I look at the, the, the list of winners, and these are just some of the winners. Sam Steed, Julius Boros, Tommy Bolt, uh, Arnold Palmer, Lee Trino, Jack Nicholas, Ben Crenshaw, Lanny Watkins, Nick Price, Tom Watson, Mickelson, Sergio Garcia, Steve Stricker, Jordan Rose, uh, uh, excuse me, Justin Rose and Jordan Spieth. Now, there's one name that I didn't mention, and I believe you can right. for him, and that's Tiger Woods. Yeah. I believe you. Tiger only played one well, year. 
Is that right? I don't remember ever playing Colonial. I thought you were for him that won. year. That's not who I won with, you thought. <laughs> <laughs> but didn't you caddy for Tiger it's when he played there? It, I, shit, I don't remember, Peter. I think you did. I you know, your mind is worse than mine. It probably is, without a doubt. <laughs> uh, I remember when you went to work for Tiger, when you, le- when you left me, you went from me to work for Tiger, and if I remember, maybe I'm all screwed up, but... You went down to Colonial and you caddied for him at the Colonial Country Club, and that was really at a time when Tiger was struggling with control with his irons. Because you remember when we played with Tiger and Ernie in '95 at the Open Championship at St Andrews, and uh-huh. the wind was blowing. Yeah. And Tiger had had trouble ballooning his irons. He just had trouble con- controlling the ball out of the the Bermuda Rough and the Bermuda Fairways. Clearly, he's figured that. He's figured it out by now, but yeah, um, he's he's figured it out. He, you know, early on, I guess it, it, talking about Tiger for just a second, it, you know, that's probably the thing that he, he, from where he started, which was a pretty high spot, to where he got to, was all about controlling the distance that he hit the ball. Uh, that was the difference between his beginning and then his real dominating years. One of the cool things about the. Charles Schwab Challenge and the Colonial Country Club is they honor the history of the game of golf by presenting the winner every year with a Scottish tartan plaid jacket. And I remember (laughs) before before we won in 84, I remember, oh, I must have played five or six years, and I'd see the people walking around the club, and I used to say, wow, a green jacket from Augusta is really a Really, that's a cool looking jacket, and that that jacket, that that tartan plaid, is a little is a little bright, a little loud. But when you win it and you've got your jacket, you wear that baby with pride. It it, it becomes a classic immediately. Uh, a prize a prize possession that plaid jacket. Uh, the uh, the tournament started, and it rightfully is it. It rightfully is, too, because that's one of the longest-running, most wonderful golf tournaments on tour. Uh, played at one of my favorite golf courses, without a doubt. Uh, yeah, it started in 1946. Ben Hogan won that yeah. year, 46. He won five times, as I mentioned. 70, what is that, 70, over 70 years at this, 73 or 4 years down there at this wonderful venue. Now, what do you... What are you looking forward to? There's going to be no fans colonial, no fans out at the course, which, and as you well know, that if the course plays soft, obviously the ball's not going to run very far, but the greens are softer. But if it's if it's hard and fast and dry, it, it's, a, it's a real challenge trying to hit those greens. Oh, absolutely. Puts a, puts a great premium on driving it in the fairway to start with. Uh because you're not going to hit very many greens that coming out of the rough, if you know if they're firm and fast. It's uh, I don't know. I would I don't know how much rain. Seems though like they haven't getting some serious rain in that, in that part of the country. I think, but well, if it plays you, fast, I, I'd love to see it play like that. What do you have? You talked to Jim Furyk about uh, what he been, what he's been practicing, working on. Has he? Has he talked to you about um, preparation at all? He hasn't mentioned anything very specific. He never does. It, you know, he's he's actually been playing a little bit. They've, they've been getting 
They've been getting like almost a mini tour event going at the players' club. Guys coming from Orlando and all, getting getting multiple players out of either tour players or, or, or corn fairy t- players or you know Latin American players, just players, guys with some status on some tour, been showing up and playing these games. He says he's been playing pretty good in that game, so I don't know. I I think he's been doing the right things. We'll you're see. talking about the you're talking about the players club at Sawgrass in Ponte Vedra Beach, where Jim plays. Yeah, also, he plays at Pablo of, Creek, does he? Yeah, that's where he plays mainly is at Pablo Creek. But these games, I think, I think I'm correct when I say this, have been happening at the players club, either there or, or you know the Valley Course, perhaps, but somewhere out there at the TPC club, you know. Just what? you know, guys showing up, throwing money in the pot, and going and playing for it. It's pretty cool. Hey, one last thing before I let you go. Do you remember when when Payne and I got into the playoff and we knew we were going out to 15T, and do, do you remember what we did heading, heading out to prepare for the for the playoff? Jake, I do not. Well, the, Again, my mind is done, letting us down. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. I'm glad to be talking to somebody older than me. I... I remember <laughs> finishing in the playoff. We played with Payne that last day, and he bogeyed 18. Yeah. He had a one-shot lead going into the last hole, bogeyed it. We got into a playoff, and I remember grabbing you. Uh, TV wanted to talk to us. They wanted to talk to Payne, and they wanted to talk to me. And I, re- I refused because uh-huh. I said, I've got, I've got one more hole to play. And I, one of the tour officials said, Peter, I can take you out to 15 when you're ready to go. We jumped in the cart. We drove out. We didn't have time to hit balls on the range. And I remember asking the tour official, I can't remember who it was, but I said, where can I hit a ball or two so that I'm not disqualified or penalized for practicing on the course? And he said, you can hit right here on 14. We're not going to use 14 in the playoff. So I said, can I hit a couple of balls? And he said, yes. So we dug into the bag for three or four extra balls, and I think I hit seven irons back down the 14th fairway and just left them. Yeah. And by that time, Payne had done his interview for TV and teed off. And uh, I made, I hit it up or hit a driver and a wedge and made birdie. And I remember afterwards yeah. thinking now that I do more TV, I would have been really pissed at me for not doing an interview on 18 green, but I was so <laughs> focused on wanting to win that for my dad. And for me, and for uh-huh. you, that that I I just I just went all internal. You, you finally, you finally, by gosh, Peter, uh, and, and this is something to hear you actually saying, and I guess own up to because it, it, it's maybe the first that that you actually said no to something. <laughs> you said no to an interview, and it paid gosh darn off in dividends. It did. Uh, I think I think back to our our late great friend Payne Stewart, who, man, we did a lot of things with Payne, a lot of practice rounds. Jake Trout and the Flounders band, and you yeah. and Mike Hicks, his caddy. Yeah. We did a lot of things together, and we lost him yeah. ninety nine. And man, I, I'm actually look, sitting in my den right here, looking at a picture of Payne and Mark Lye and I and Duck Dunn on my wall in my office. Performing at the oh, Golf yeah. Channel, Jake Trout and the Flounders. So, 
I look at Duck's picture, yeah. Duck and Payne are both gone. And, uh, man, those, those were some fun times. Yeah, absolutely. Some, some awesome times. Well, listen, Michael, I'm going to let you go. I want to thank you for the time and the, and the yep. uh, walk down memory lane. I'll be watching this well, week no with, worries, when you Peter. and Jim. Right. You and Jim okay. have to put your name yeah, on the thanks. wall. I look at your name every year. If I were if I were back there, I'd I'd be hugging my name. I'd be trying to trace it. Is what I'd be doing. You've been here before. You know what to do. Keep your head on straight. Don't let them get to you. Put a smile on your face. Get rid of that. I'm a sports nut, and if you're anything like me, the first thing you do every morning is grab your phone and check to see what may have happened overnight in the world of sports. But Mondays are for golf. Once the weekend is over and the golf tournaments around the world are complete, whether they're on the professional tours or in the amateur world, I know I'll find what I need on Global Golf Post. It comes to my email every Monday morning delivering everything I need to know as I dissect what happened over that weekend. It also offers insight and analysis from experienced writers and contributors who are as committed to the game as I am. And it's pretty easy to sign up. Just log on to globalgolfpost.com and you're done. And for even more great content, you can subscribe to Global Golf Post Plus, which takes a deeper dive into the world of golf, exploring the people, places, and things that makes this game we love so intoxicating. And with Global Golf Post Plus, there's no advertising. Use the promo code JAKESTAKES when you sign up to receive 30% off your monthly subscription to Global Golf Post Plus. So remember, globalgolfpost.com. It's everything you're going to need to know about this game of golf. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. The fans are fired up. I was fortunate enough back in 1984 to win the Charles Schwab Challenge. Back then it was called the Colonial National Invitational at Colonial Country Club. And it's one of the most respected courses, one of the most fun courses you'll ever play in the United States. It's narrow. It's 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 tight. There's all these beautiful overhanging trees. You really have to move your tee ball left to right, right to left off the tee, and you've got to be very creative with your approach shots. And I go way back to 1988 when the great sports writer from Texas, Dan Jenkins, decided to put one of his wonderful books, Dead Solid Perfect, into a movie. So a lot of people were jumping on board to get this thing done, and I was on the sidelines. I wasn't even thinking about being involved until I got a call and they asked me to play myself because the the whole story was based on Kenny Lee, who was a, a very talented but underachieving pro golfer trying to break through and make it on the PGA Tour. And one of the scenes was set 
as Kenny Lee, who was portrayed by Randy Quaid in the movie, he was going to be playing at the Colonial. And originally they had Ben Crenshaw playing Ben Crenshaw because Ben has won the Colonial, but for some reason Ben couldn't do it. So at the last minute they were they were kind of panicked and they called me up. Dan Jenkins called me and said, would you play yourself in this movie of my book, Dead Solid Perfect? Well, I've, I've never... I've never been one to pass up any opportunity, so I jumped at the chance and went down and sure enough at Colonial Country Club it was all decked out. It was all it was it was Hollywood. It was a movie set set out on the golf course, which is very hard to do. And they just like when I was in the movie and a lot of us tour players were in the movie Tin Cup with Kevin Costner and Don Johnson and uh Cheech Marin, they had all these extras and they had everything set up lighting and so much so much infrastructure for this movie and they had to what's difficult about shooting a movie and I learned was when you're shooting it inside on a movie set you can control what goes on but when you're outside on a golf course and that's what makes televising golf tournaments so difficult you're moving sets you've got different angles different camera angles different people in the background different things going on so what we were told to do we were told to simply play golf. And Randy Quaid at the time was, oh, he was a good player. He must have been a two or a three handicap. And we were playing in a twosome, and I think it was the final round where I went on to win the tournament, and they showed my name on the, the past champion's wall, which is pretty cool because Ben Hogan's on there five times, and Nicholas and Palmer and Crenshaw and uh, Sneed and all these great players through the history of the game. And there's my name up there, which is very cool. But Randy and I went out, and if I remember correctly, it was back in 1988, but we played, I believe, three holes. We played one, two, and three. And they told us, just play golf. We were mic'd up, and we were just playing golf. And we we went back and forth and hit different shots because they wanted different outcomes. They wanted whether Randy was going to hit a good shot or I was going to hit a, hit a good shot. But it was really fun. But of course, shooting those scenes, which probably lasted about 25 seconds in the movie, it took all day. And it was hot. We were, we were out in the sun, sweating, and there were extras everywhere. They were set strategically, just like a PGA Tour event at Colonial Country Club. But it was a blast. I had more fun just doing that. And every time the Colonial is played, now the Charles Schwab Challenge, I always think back to the days of shooting Dead Solid Perfect with Randy Quaid and how much fun that was, but how it opened my eyes to how difficult being an actor is. I know that sounds crazy to say. We look at actors and people in Hollywood as making millions of dollars and having the easiest job in the world, but it's tough. It's really tough. It's a lot of long hours and a lot of waiting around. But still, for me to say that I've been in two movies, Dead Solid Perfect and Tin Cup, man, that was a blast. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's Jake's Takes podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Peter Jacobson. These have been my takes. What are yours?